0: In three, two, one. I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode of Sweet Soldiers. It's back to school time. This is another landmark school year for many students at all ages and all grade levels. Unprecedented challenges, but also new opportunities. We're gonna talk about what our children in New York City in particular are facing as they head back to the classroom. We have an amazing panel to break this all down for you. Joining me is Cassie Wilkins. She's a parent of two public school students. She's also a student support specialist with the partnership with children. Cassie, thank you so much for being with us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: We appreciate it. Also with us is Victoria Richardson. She is an educator and she's a graduate of New York City public school. She went through the system and she's also a science genius program alum. Um, Thank you, Victoria, thank you so much for being with us. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. We appreciate it. Also joining us is Dr. Christopher Emden. He is a professor of education at USC. He's also a scholar in residence at Lincoln Center. And he's also the founder of Hip Hop Ed and the Science Genius Program, which has changed the whole way many, many students look at STEM uh, education. Just landmark and groundbreaking. Chris, thank you so much for being with us.
2: Always glad to be here with you.
0: We really appreciate it. Um, Dr. Emden, when you look at this year, give us the big picture, you know, the drone view of what you see happening, especially for our our public school students here in New York City.
2: You know, this this new academic year is drastically different. You know, young people are coming out of the pandemic where a majority of their learning has been online and are now transitioning back to sort of in-person learning. Um, They're doing so without much preparation from many young people of how to adjust back We have young folks who are dealing with severe emotional challenges. They've had loss, grief, uh, brokenness, and heartbreak. We've also got the advent of uh, new sort of cultural forms of expression that are really capturing the imagination of young folks that drill energy is just really in their heart and souls. And they've been on lockdown for so long that they're ready to get out and they're ready to be social. So educators have to really be aware of the complexity of the landscape. At the same time, the same high academic expectations are required. They still got to pass their regents exam. So it's a a perfect uh, storm of conflating experiences and we've got to be ready for them.
0: And and a lot of challenges and and a lot of different pressures from uh, various areas. Cassie, as as a parent, what are you seeing happen with your your two sons?
1: Well, as a parent, honestly, there used to be, uh kind of a separation between parenting and then sending my children to school. And it was just like, okay, you do your part, I do my part. And what the pandemic exposed is that my part doesn't end when I drop my students off, my kids off at school to be students. Um, I have to put more of myself into their situations. I definitely this year and last year and the year before that differed because I needed to be on my toes, like 100% know what's going on in their particular school buildings, know what the plans were from the Department of Ed moving forward, know where my children stand being that they don't go to some fancy school that's outside of the inner city. It's not heavily populated as far as funding, you know, so, it's just, it's a new world. <laughs> it's a oh, new it's, new it's
0: world. definitely a new world. Victoria, from, from your various vantage points, what do you see? Give us a sense of, of how you're looking at this, this school year.
3: Um, I'm actually looking at the school year with a lot of optimism. I think we have a lot more certainty than we did in the previous year. I'm excited to be able to see all of my students' faces for the first time in so long, to be able to sit closer than three feet apart to sit together on a rug or at tables and to do group work. Um, I'm really excited to be able to go on field trips again and and increase that learning that happens outside of school. Um, So I'm really looking at at this school year with a lot more optimism than I did with the past ones, because there's so much more that we can do. And like Chris said earlier, there's a lot of things that children are coming in with. So I'm excited to bring in the fun stuff that we were missing from the previous school years.
0: And and also there've been a lot of starts and stops over the last two years and just like a lot of mixed mixed messages and safety issues and all of that that type of thing so do you do you do you you feel Victoria this is kind of like all systems go
3: yes so I I'm really fingers crossed hoping that there's no more classroom closures or um quarantining that has to happen and that
0: we can really just have a fluid school year this year all right this is Street Soldiers I'm your host Lisa Evers we're talking about going back to school with an amazing panel stay with us we'll be right back
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Salute. Yeah, this is General Steele from Smith and & Wesson. And right now you're listening to Street Soldiers with your girl, Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on hot 97.
0: Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. It is that time of the year, back to school. And we're taking a look at what our New York City public school children in particular are facing, the challenges, the new opportunities with our great panel. Joining me is Cassie Wilkins. She's a parent of two public school students. She's also a student support specialist with the partnership with children. Cassie, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us is Victoria Richardson. She's an educator. She is a graduate of the New York City Public School System and also an alum of the Science Genius Program. Victoria, thank you so much for being with us. Glad to be here. We appreciate it. Also joining us is Dr. Christopher Emden. He's a professor of education at USC. He's also the scholar in residence at Lincoln Center and founder of hip hop ed and science genius uh, programs among many others, as well as an author. Chris, thank you so much for being with us.
2: Glad to be here Lisa.
0: We appreciate it. Cassie, I want to talk with you. One of the things that I'd like to get this out of the way from the beginning, for especially for our children in New York City, they're coming off a summer of extreme violence they're coming after a school year where there were record numbers of weapons being brought into the school a lot of a lot of tensions how much of your concern as you know working in your role in the schools too to support students how how much are these outside influences having an effect on the kids ability to learn they it's a major influence
1: the it has a huge impact and this is pre pandemic The problem is that these things weren't exposed until post pandemic, until it became an issue with parents saying, I'm not sending my child. So your numbers are gonna go down, now make it work. And we've all, that issue has always been within our schools and it's even more prevalent because they're not, it's not just the gang violence, it's not, it's random, shooting like it's literally I dare you to shoot this block up and it's done. You know, like there the the that feeling that we used to have when we were younger where our lives we're trying to preserve our lives and we're thinking about the future and we're so afraid for our lives to be cut short, a, a flip switched that there, there's something different and definitely the component that was missing was the mental health component that needed to be there
0: before a pandemic even right happened. before the, before all of this ha- this happened. Um Dr. Chris and then in in terms of the in terms of the violence issue because that plays a very very big role not just in New York City but in a lot of other big city uh, big city schools but parents I was shocked when Cassie said to me she goes they're talking about they're not even going to make it to high school or they may not make it to high school how, how does that impact the students' ability to learn and to just basically conceive a future for themselves?
2: You're so, it's so layered and complex. So, so here's, here's the first thing I want to name. That, yes, we are seeing increasing reactions from young folks that may be perceived as problematic and violence. But we are already going to this concept of back to normal without recognizing that these young folks were ostracized from social interaction for two years. Right. And during that part, there were no mental health services that were being privileged when they were going through online learning. We also forgot that we're dealing with defunding. We also forgot that they were just categorically ignored in any sort of social political conversation about what's going on. So, right. you know, I, my whole thing is this, like I definitely feel as though young folks are wilding right now, but it ain't like we don't know why they wilding, right? right? And we can't erase the fact that we created the conditions to make them be where they are. And the bottom line is, no, they're not gonna be able to learn. Unless we address the larger, you know, you know, systematic issues that are going on. But we can't do all systematic without being practical. And so for me, systematically, there's some things we gotta address, right? One, we gotta talk about mental health services. Two, we gotta talk about these young folks having jobs. They're, just, they're, just, they're not just on the street walling. Three, we gotta talk about teacher training, where the teachers are not so scared of the kids that they can't interact with them at all. You know, and then, four, we got to just overhaul the whole idea of teacher training and preparation. You know, you got folks who are coming in from, you know, wherever the heck program they're in, recruited into New York City public schools, and they're scared of New York, period.
0: Right. They're scared the of New city. York kids. Right.
2: And you think the kids don't know that you're scared? And so they're literally performing, um, they're performing thug and performing gangster because that's what the educators expect. And so we've got to rehaul professional development in New York City and we talk about a whole bunch of things, but no one's talking about how are we training these teachers in an ongoing way to address the fact that these young folks have gone through these experiences. Um, we talk about all the larger issues, we don't talk about what's going on right now. Right. Um, the last piece I want to say about this concept is in spite of all those things, and this, is, this has to be clear, our babies can and will learn they've learned how to use social media to be able to meet up, to be able to do TikTok videos, to be able to find, like they, they're they literally teaching us the kind of platforms they need to learn. Right, so like in the,
0: the pathway, like you want to reach me, meet me here.
2: Meet me here. By the way, I'm online. By the way, I'm listening to Drill. By the way, we got TikTok videos. There, there's no more time where we are more clear about what reaches young people. Now, the question is, are we utilizing those tools to connect to them in schools? Or are going back to an antiquated method? So, they're when they respond to an right. antiquated method, don't be mad because they don't told you what's going to work.
0: Right, and exactly. Victoria, I'm curious, tell, give us an idea like, what, what age group of kids do you teach? And and what do you think about this whole, you know, the, these issues of teacher training? Because it isn't like you just have to master the academic part. It's like you're, you really almost have to take a holistic look at each student and deal with other aspects of their lives, right? So
3: I teach sixth grade. Um, and I, I in middle school, obviously. And I'm fortunate enough to be teaching at a school in a neighborhood that I lived in for 10 to 12 years. So unlike me, other teachers might not have the same perspective or um, perception of the neighborhood and the students and understand what they go through, what this neighborhood is like, the experiences and the challenges. So I'm fortunate enough to to lead with my identity as a Black woman and also as a a woman from the Bronx, right? So I know when I leave the corner, I know what's going on on the corner over there, whether I um, came from New Jersey or whatever. I know what's going on in this corner because I lived through it. Um, And there's no amount of training that can teach that can teach um, teachers how to understand the experiences of their students. They have to live those experiences. They have to walk through the neighborhood and see what's going on. They have to attend the basketball games and see what's happening. They have to talk to their students and ask them what's going on because the children are the experts of their own experience, right? There's no textbook. There's no podcast. There's no teacher who's going to teach you how to be a compassionate human being, how to understand these experiences. So you have to, if you're really dedicated to working with young people, especially young people of color who are from the Bronx and Brooklyn and wherever, you have to be there with them, right? In a way that's authentic. And that's the only way you're gonna learn.
0: And what do you see, you're talking in sixth grade. So what is that like 11 or 12 years yeah. old? Or? Yeah, 11 and 12. And, what, and what, are some of, what are some of the issues you see them see them dealing with?
3: Um, a lot of them are, are dealing with loss all the time. There's, they're also dealing with gang violence and um, gang pressure and influence all the time, even as young as 10 and 11. And they're often combat, um, combating this idea of um, peer pressure and fitting in. And that's a big issue that a lot of the kids are focusing on. Like, I want to join this because I want to fit in, but I know it's wrong. So like this also awesome morality thing. Um, and they are in a need of a lot of guidance and, and just somebody to listen to them and understand and just tell them some good advice because they have so many different things going on and so many um, different things bad they're battling in their heads and trying to figure out and navigate. And it's a scary world, honestly. So they really need people and educators who are going to listen and and not judge and and guide them because sometimes they don't have that at home or,
2: no, or people who they do
3: have at home are not the most are the ones putting the pressure in them.
2: Right, or that are under pressure and dealing with things And and this is, you know, Victoria has so many powerful points and and she's brilliant um, in in so many ways. Probably one of my favorite educators in the country and I've been seeing teachers everywhere. (laughs) But you know, there's there's also a really important element that she raised, which is why are we not, we have all these efforts about how we recruit police officers from local neighborhoods and how we do community policing. No one's having a conversation about community teaching. Nobody's having a conversation about about a, a pipeline where you have the young folks now who are making decisions to join gangs, who, who are really great interactions with other folks and letting them know, like I'm gonna recruit you into a future Educators of America program, which is an organization that I work with through Five Delta Capping, where you can have peer pressure around positivity. And most importantly, that you ain't got to lose your cool and lose your swag. And this is what a lot of educators don't figure out, right? We want young folks to make positive decisions, but we don't make positive decisions appealing, right? right. And so we've got to create the conditions to meet them where they are, yes, but also show them that there are alternatives to the same things that they need. They want community. They want love. They want attention. They want social um, interaction. They want social stature. On, we need all yeah, those things right? Right around, around being a teacher, around uh, being in community with other folks. And, and it's, it's our responsibility as adults and those who work within the system to create those alternatives. All right, we're going to take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your
0: host, Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this
2: what up this is trey songs and this is street soldiers with lisa evers Evers.
3: real Real issues real politics real real people people, only on hot 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 nine seven
0: welcome back to this episode of street soldiers i'm your host lisa evers we're talking about back to school with an amazing panel joining me for this conversation cassie wilkins she's a parent of two public school students she's also a student support specialist with a partnership with children cassie thank you so much for being with us
1: thank you for having me
0: we appreciate it also with us is victoria richardson She is a teacher an educator, a science genius program graduate. And uh, she went through the New York City public school system and is teaching the kids here in her hometown. So uh, Victoria, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Glad to be here. Thank you. Also, this is Dr. Christopher Emden. He's a professor of education at USC. He's a scholar in residence at Lincoln Center and the founder of Hip Hop Ed and the science genius programs and also the author of, of numerous books. Uh, Dr. Chris Edmond, thank you so much for being with us.
2: Always glad to be here.
0: Thank you. Uh, Cassie, I want to talk to you You know, on behalf of the parents. And as a parent, the role of parents in their school, in their kids' education has changed. Explain to us how you see that happening.
1: Well, being able to know both sides, being a part of a community-based organization, that I'm in public schools, and I've done middle school and high school, I know that there needs to be there needs to be no lines of separation between what they learn in school and what they're learning at home. We all collectively have to be facilitators of learning. It can't be I'm your mom and that's your teacher. We are all facilitators of learning because the world is forever changing. There's always going to be something new that comes up. And if we're not on the ball, we're dropping the ball. It's, there's no in between. Um, For me, I had to catch, for my youngest son, he has an IEP. And it was because I caught it. And throughout the years, a lot of people are ashamed to realize that their child is not keeping up. There's shame that comes with it. There's There's a title, there's like you're put in a box. But I understood that there was a period of time where my son's teacher wasn't coming to work. There, the hundredth day of school, that teacher missed eighty-six days. I had to call three-one-one to get help. And had I not voiced that, my, they probably would have tried to just leave my kid back and say, "Oh, there's something wrong with your child. We'll just put them in special education." And we got it from there. But it's like, no, you're going to be held accountable. Granted, I am not the come home, kid. Let's go over your spelling words. Let's. I'm not because I work (laughs) while they're in school, I'm working. And when they get out of school, I'm still working. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, but I knew that there was no reason that a first grader should be coming home with coloring pages every day. And there's no reason that we should continue having meetings. And this teacher is promising that, you know, that she will be there and then she misses another four or five weeks. So, everybody in the building is dropping a ball. I can't just blame it on that teacher. What, where's the principal? Like, Where, why do they not, why are they not, why are they not taking yeah, from This school? goes in the system. Her, she's not clocking in. So you see that she is not there. That is a foundational grade. The first grade, like that yeah. is when they learn the foundational things. So for you to just push my kid through the system, had I not been somebody that's there on the outside looking in and also on the inside, I that would have gone over my head. There's no telling where my son would be now. Now he's a seventh grader. He's on the honor roll.
0: Oh good, that's great.
1: Like, you know, he loves school, but that could have been swiped away. And now I we having to fight the streets to give me my kid back? Because right. what do you have? If I can't keep up in school, I could always keep up with the streets.
2: Right. There's well, always well, someone this, there that'll take is, in. This is so important. You know, you know how I do, Lisa. I gotta sometimes interject when these points no, are. No, so no, please important. Do,
0: please do. Victoria, you too. I'm, I'm I saw yeah. no,
2: you will started know, what, there. What Cassie raised is so powerful. And and I want us all to understand this. And I know that you get a lot of community folks who are watching this. So this is not just about us just talking randomly. This, you know, this for y'all to get some, some some nuggets of truth and wisdom out of this. When we collectively as a community, Complain about the violence that our children are enacting now nowadays, without addressing with the same kind of fervor and energy and anger, the kind of emotional and educational violence that they're undergoing at the same time. We are now blaming our children for the flaws of the system. Yes, kids who have violent acts imposed on them in schools, like not getting what they deserve, like not being loved, not having not having clubs, not having activities not having mental health Like when the schools drop the ball on the basic things children need, that's when they go out in the streets and try to get it. Yeah. Schools are supposed to be able to have, you have a club or activity or to have counseling, to have therapy. Your tax dollars are paying for that. So when the school don't do it, your baby goes out in the street and tries to find it with some thugs. Right. So you've got to be like, don't be mad at your baby when they respond to the violence the school imposed. Be mad at the school for not creating the conditions so like your child to be able to get what they want. Now, we're not saying that we don't blame the kids when they wild out. When they wild out, they should be punished. But if you're mad at the kids and you're not mad at the school the same way, something is wrong because we've been trained to see the problem in our children and not seeing the problem in the conditions that created the violence for our children. So her, her baby ain't the only one who came on with just coloring books and not being loved.
0: There right. are
2: hundreds and thousands of children who went through that. And those kids who are not loved in school, don't get attention in school, don't feel like they're accepted in school, go out there and there's, a, there's, there's somebody on the street waiting for them to give them the same things that school lack. Look, love, attention, commitment, somebody telling you that you're smart and telling them that, you, telling you that you're valuable, that could go either positive or negative. Right. A gang could do it. A school could do it. Right. You know what I'm saying? A gun could do it. A textbook can do it. But if the textbook in the school ain't doing it and they go chase the other one, don't blame the children. Blame the system.
0: No, I and and I always feel like if it, for before before we blame, of course people have to be teens have to be held accountable All for colors, action. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, before we start blaming on mass a, a whole generation or a group of whatever of these kids and these teens and young people, it's like they're reflecting to us the world that we've created. We created this world that they've had to navigate in with fewer support systems than probably you know any other generation in a in a very very long time. Victoria, I'm curious about your thoughts in terms of. In terms of the the parental involvement, how important is that do you, you know, do you see in terms of the kids that come into you, because sixth grade is also another turning point too, isn't that kind of like where they're like going, they're either going to go this way or they're going to go this way, or we're just going to kind of coast them through and give them the trophy, even if they didn't win the game.
3: Right. And sixth grade is a really awkward age because that's the age where they start coming to school by themselves. So you don't really get to see parents on drop-offs and pickups. So parent engagement gets even more trickier. If I'm not reaching out, oftentimes I don't hear from parents. And that's very upsetting to me because, like Cassie said, this is there's no line in between. We're partners in this, we're doing this together. There's no I can't do this without you, and you can't do it without me. So I think a, a good thing that came out of the pandemic. Um, is the virtual space right so parents don't necessarily need to come into the classroom anymore, right? Right. we're always available on zoom or Google meets and a lot of um, the parent-teacher conferences that we've been having have been on zoom and Google meets but I think has increased parent engagement a lot. And I'm grateful for that and I'm grateful that we realize that this is an opportunity for us. And I'm hoping that next year while everything I'm pretty sure don't quote me on this that all of the parent-teacher conference will be on zoom. So I'm hoping that we'll see a lot more parents and um, I hope that parents use these tools and and use this as a way to connect with us because I need to know, I need to know from you, like, you know, your kid best. I spend so much time with them, but you know who they really are. Right. I know who they want to be. Um, So I think having us be together in partnerships and talking about your kids' growth and setting goals together and, and just reflecting together is so much more impactful. And it also tells the kids that you care. We all care. We want, we all want you to do well. Right. And if I can just go back a little bit to what you were saying, Chris, about the things that kids need in school, I would also add joy. If kids do not want to be in the building, they're going to find other places to be. They're not going to come. Like I said, middle school is when they start coming to school by themselves. And a lot of times kids do not come. Because they have the liberty not to. Nobody's watching them walk into the door. So if you're not creating a space where kids feel like they want to be there and they're having fun and that things are enjoy and they're enjoying it, they're not going to want to be there. They're going to go out on the basketball court where so they should be in school. They're going to go and hang out with this older kid who's in high school who's also cutting school, you know? So I think that's another thing that we need to make sure we're creating in the classroom. And if, if they have that and this place that we're creating is somewhere they want to be more than... Somewhere else, they're gonna be here.
0: And, and it's it's interesting. You, it's interesting and, you say that too, because I had a um a teacher contact me on social media, and she was talking about how what they do is for and they, the kids are elementary school and middle school. They they actually go outside of the school on the block before the kids are coming, and so the kids are feeling like, hey, Miss So and So, hey, Mister So and So, and how you doing? Whatever, hey, you you know your sneakers untied or whatever, and that the, there's just like a little bit of a you know, so that they, they feel like connected, you know? Yes. It is very
1: important to to build community. I'm sorry, Chris. It's very important to build community. My mom is a retired principal. My mom used to do a job, a walk with the parents in the community, with her teachers, with her staff, like we're going to. Do this fitness thing. She used to do a march with Marcus Canby when he was on the Knicks and he would come and he would give bask, you know, give autographs and book bags and school supplies. And they, they were celebrated, but not just the children. Their parents, their siblings, they are part of that community. We have to include them. They have, they are stakeholders, but we have to let them know that. The there, there, there has to be this, we have to stop with this. Oh, this is school business. There's no such thing as school business. If oh, my child oh. is in that building, this is all of our business. It's it's it goes beyond education. It's safety. It's 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 just an institution is an institution is an institution. And we know that. We're smart <laughs> enough to know about school to prison pipeline. We're smart enough to know how things are set up. Just in life and always have been. The only thing is that COVID ripped that pretty little wrapping paper off, right. and we got to see it for what it was. Now that we see it, are we gonna decide to put another pretty little band-aid over it? Or are we gonna start with the root problems? Like Chris was saying, is you everybody's quick to blame our youngsters, but they had to learn that from somewhere right this is this is a these are learned behaviors you don't just come out the womb and like i'm gonna shoot it up no right like there there are steps to this and just like you are educated in school the streets
0: educate you first and last yeah. and 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 again not to not not to make not to make excuses for violent behavior but the there's a lot of a lot of these these teens and the young adults and the kids that are involved have been, they have been victimized themselves before they were involved in these 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 incidents, some of these disturbing incidents that we've seen. Chris, did you wanna make one more quick point before we yes, go? Yes,
2: to- really important points here. I'm sorry, you know, sometimes Lisa, I feel like we should do this for a for whole year, but we gotta collectively deprogram and reprogram. Because I, I, know, I know folks who listen to you and I know the feedback that you get. And somebody's watching this right now and saying, so what do you guys want us to do? Just have schools, just be joy? What about the learning? Like, I know that's what somebody's thinking. (laughs) And and then somebody's also thinking, well, why won't you hold any of these kids accountable? They can just do whatever they want. And I want everybody who's listening to understand that's not what we're saying. But we're saying that we all have to deprogram and reprogram. Just because you went to a school where you were bored to death and you ain't had no fun and you couldn't learn and you hated it does not mean this generation has to go through the same thing. Exactly. Learning can be fun. We can hold high academic expectations and still have a lot of fun and do it at the same time. And so you, you have to understand that you could, we could reprogram this entire thing. Can you hold young folks accountable and still recognize that the system has something to blame? Yes. And it's like, it's not one or the other. We have to look at this thing holistically and do both. For those who are in schools who are teaching, for the teachers and the principals, for the superintendents in New York City right now, hold high academic expectations right. and hold high joy and fun expectations. Yes, right. You can do both. That's how our babies learn. And we've seen this before. Y'all remember, and I don't know, some of y'all might be too, remember the 90s when the deceptors was running in New York City? Oh, yeah. And we was losing our minds. We've never seen a generation ever like this before. Right, right. And, and guess what happened? We loved on them, them babies. They grew up. They got accepted. We included programs. We had jobs in summertime. We had clubs. And we fixed the scenarios. Well, we have a similar scenario right now that COVID exacerbated. We know what the solutions are. Let's not be scared to addressing them.
0: All right, we're gonna take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers.
2: We'll be back right after
0: this.
1: Hey, what up, y'all? This is Lloyd, the King of Hearts. And this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 97.
3: You did.
0: Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about back to school, focusing specifically on New York City public school students. They're coming back to a new year that is all new for many of them in so many different ways. We're breaking that all down and we're gonna talk also about what you can do for your kids to make sure that they get the education that they deserve. Joining me for this conversation, Cassie Wilkins. She's a parent of two public school children. She's also a student support specialist with the partnership with children. Cassie, thanks so much for being with us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: We appreciate it. Also with us is Victoria Richardson. She's an educator. Um, She teaches sixth grade, a science genius program alum. And uh, she went through the uh, New York City public school system, a product of, of the New York City public school system, which uh, I'm sure they're very proud of. Victoria, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Glad also with you. us is uh, doc- Dr. Christopher Emden. He's a professor of education at USC, scholar in residence at Lincoln Center. And he's also a founder of the founder of hip hop ed, science genius, and the author of many books on education, urban education. Um, Dr. Christopher, ended. Thank you so much for being with us again. Glad to be here. Thank you, Chris. When we talk, we talk about the issues, the way that we're talking about them, I, I don't want to stereotype our children in the urban areas because there's children that are having exhibiting a lot of different types of behavior too in other communities. But I guess the difference is they have more resources.
2: Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they have more resources, but the fundamental ideas of loss, of grief, of belonging, of centering joy. These things are necessary for all children. And so whether we're talking about folks who are in the burbs or we're fo- talking about folks you know, in the middle of the hood, young folks need to know that they're loved. And here's the piece of this as a strategy for parents and even for teachers that we miss over. It sounds really simple, affirmations. I always ask folks, what are the words of life that you're speaking over the lives of children every day consistently to the point where they believe it? So for example, my child walks out to my school and goes out every day. I take one minute before they leave You're smart. You're valuable. You're a mathematical magician. You're a genius. You're the best thing that ever happened to me. You're going to make amazing decisions. You're bold. You're wonderful. You go out there and learn and send them on his way. The first day, your child's going to be like, what is mommy or daddy doing? And then you say it the second day and you say it the third day. And when you say it the third day, by the time they go out into the world and something happens where they have to make a decision, the words you say over them echo into their minds, into their spirit, into their psyche. We always talk about big solutions. The small solutions are the words of life you speak over the lives of children, whether they're in the suburbs or they're in the hood. If you let them know what you think of them and you make them believe that, it changes their decision-making. So that's one basic thing. Then we got programs like Science Genius that the brilliant Victoria is a graduate from, right? (laughs) Have the kids, if they're into something cultural, connected to the academics. Science Genius had kids writing rhymes about science content and writing rhymes and poems about their lives. So academic rigor, they got to learn the science, but they get to perform. They get to meet other kids. They get to go to a university. They need to build community. Now you got a whole squad of people who are your friends around something positive. Every school can institute a program like Science Genius. If you want to reach out to me. Hip Hop Ed, a gathering on social media where you have educators across the country, parents across the country, students across the country, just sharing ideas and resources. If you want to go fast, go by yourself. You want to go far, go in community. Find a community, meet up on Twitter, meet up on IG. So we have solutions that are that are right at our fingertips. And I think those three things I mentioned can transform the lives of children um, if we're intentional about enacting them. No, and, the, and that
0: affirmation thing, because so often too, your parents say, well, you know, you're just not as smart as your brother or you're not as, you know, or your, your brother did this at, you know when he was two years younger than you and you can't, you know, like those kinds of things that come out. Victoria, what about that?
3: Well, I think we should always be speaking life into young people. I love affirmations as well. I start every lesson with an affirmation followed by a meme of the day. And that just sets us off for a good lesson every single day. (laughs) And you never know what, who needs to hear that, that affirmation that day, you know, it's going to reach somebody. So always speak life, we don't need to compare any two students, no matter what, everybody has their own path, they learn at their own rate, they grow at their own rate, and we got to accept that and, and lean into that, that's okay um advice for parents i i want you all to know that you are a stakeholder like cassie said in your child's education so speak up you have the right i know oftentimes parents feel like take the the back seat but you need to be in the in the passenger seat right with us you know mm-hmm. you have the right speak up we love to hear from you i love hearing from parents what they need from me what they need for their children and that's how i know how to go and how to navigate so
0: are there, are there ways for, I mean, we, we see, and again, to compare to the, the affluent communities, there's, there's private tutors, there's special tutoring, there's special prep classes. There's during the, during the summer, they're going into something else to learn something, you know, to, to learn something else. For parents that do have, you know, the, that they're finding that their, their child is just not keeping up and, or needs, needs help in one, one particular area. Are there are there things that, that they can do when they're on, you know, a tight budget?
1: The first thing is know your power. As a parent with a child in the public school system you hold the power, you are that child's voice, you have to speak up and advocate, not just for your child for yourself for your community there. are so many things that are purposely not told to these parents so that they don't have to deal with backlash and don't have to do paperwork and don't have to answer to this person or that person. You hold the power, hmm. even if you don't have time. Guess what? I have a voice. I notice that this is what's going on with my child. Yes, I've been keeping notes and I realized that you guys are falling off. So who do I need to speak to? You would be surprised how quickly everybody runs and scrambles and gets it together. And all of a sudden those issues that your child was having are just being sought to and they're taking care of it. But because we lack the education as parents about the power we do have in these institutions, the cycle continues because nobody- And there are folks who taking advantage. Oh,
2: absolutely. Cassie, tell them. If you, if you look in New York City and you can look, literally, if you look at the demographics by socioeconomic status of the community, you can chart the socioeconomic status of the community to the um, connections that the pe- the parents in those community have in conversations with the superintendent, with the district, et cetera. Yes. In the hood, we so scared, we don't act up. I, I promise you this, in, in Chelsea on fifth half, them parents is getting it. Also, in those communities, they ain't scared of IEP. Nope. In the hood, when you say my child needs an individual educational program plan, we're like, oh, my baby got special ed. Oh, my God. Over there, they're like, um, excuse yeah. me, my child needs an IEP because they understand if the child got an IEP, that child gets special services. Yep. So right. in the hood, we stigmatize right. IEP. We stigmatize needing special education. And those communities, they're like, oh, we that's a benefit. We get extra resources. Again, we got to deprogram. And, and the reason why we can't deprogram is because these are parents who've been hurt by the same school system they didn't like schools when they went there so now they got to send their kids back to a school that they are scared of and we've got to heal in order for us to get what's best for our children no absolutely. spot on sister cassie spot on and then
0: and then the, and then cassie also you were raising that point too about keep, keeping notes like even even on your phone on a note app or something just of the conversations or of like noticed my son or my daughter was, you know, XYZ, brought it to the teacher. Teacher did not address, you know, or teacher wasn't like that one teacher wasn't in the classroom for, wasn't teaching for like 86 days. No, these these are, these are excellent, excellent tips. And um, what about we, one last thing, I want to get a quick thing from, from uh, Dr. MW. You've been very big on parents reading to their children from a very, very early age. Are you still advocating that
2: real quick? I never stop, beloved. Look, your baby do exactly what they see you doing. Whatever it is, <laughs> you online, they're gonna be online. You on yep. TikTok, they're gonna be on TikTok. You pick up a damn book, they're gonna pick one up too. I mean, it, literally, we, are, we we literally, you you look at a child and you say, Man, how, how did my baby get this way? By looking at you. And so we have to be intentional about what we model for our children. They learn more about what we model than what we say. Yep. Um, and then the last thing I'd say: shameless book plug, but essential. We also gotta be ratchetemic. Which is the latest book, Ratchedemic. Ratchet Ratchedemic is that you have to we have to be equal parts ratchet and academic. Yep. Kids see us as like when you're academic, you just read books and you boring and you ain't got no swag and you and you and you corny. And then if you ratchet, you in a hood and you tilting guns and making and like, nah. I, I'm I'm as look, I'm good at Columbia at USC, and I'm good in my hood on King's Ridge and Fordham early. You know what I mean? Like, and you have to show them that. Like I don't I don't have to be something I'm not. I, I love reading. Right. Great. I don't have to give, I don't have to
0: sell my yeah. soul. It's, it's like, different right. channels, like, right. Like different, different channels. Hey
2: Siri, play Beyonce. You can't break my soul. Yes. So <laughs> you have to show parents right. that you can have, have fun, but love reading. And, and then, you know, I, I watch discovery channel and I, you know, and I have rap ciphers, you know, and right. the more we show young folks that they have options, the better they are.
0: Exactly. Uh, Victoria real quick in, ter- in terms
2: of how the, re- the reading is that,
0: what, how do you feel about that?
3: I definitely agree. And I think there are so many resources to, to read these days. There's so many. If you like being online on an iPad, there's so many websites and and um apps that you can read on and they'll even read to you. So maybe for the parents who work late and don't have time to sit there and read what their children and their kids might not know how to read, you press a button and it reads to you and that's still learning. There's so many comic books, right? And a lot of people don't think comic books are really reading, but so many kids love graphic novels and comic books these days. Yep. And they're widely available online for free. So definitely you should be reading every single day.
0: Good point. All right. Excellent, excellent points. Excellent points. And Cassie, finally, for parents that, you know, they, let's say they do try to advocate, they try to, you know, but they, they want to get more information or the resources or would you recommend someplace they could, they could look into or call or contest? Contact?
1: They can call 311. They can call their chancellor. They can be a part of the CEC, the Commun- Community Educational Board if for their district. They can be a part of the PTA, be, to be a part of the SLT, be a part of anything community based in your neighborhood so that you know what's coming and you know what's leaving you have to be a part of something you can't always be from that you are included without even knowing there is a seat for you at that table it's just up to you to walk through that door mm. you you are accepted everywhere and if we don't see that as an as adults we can't expect our children to have you know, that strength in them Be proactive and, say, to, to yeah, fight for and what, it,
0: what they, what they should, what's rightfully theirs.
1: Exactly. And it, it, there's no way we're so like, if it comes to our children and somebody speaks ill about them or you not going to put your hands on my child, we're ready right. to rumble. Why not for education? why right. exactly
0: not there? you're not going <laughs> to not educate my kids exactly. <laughs> yeah. all right. i want to thank you all for being with us for this episode of Sweet soldiers cassie wilkins victoria richardson dr christopher Emden. thank you all for being with us for this episode and thank you for joining us for this episode of Sweet soldiers remember use your mind it's your best weapon i'm lisa evers let's push for peace love and usually we say justice but how about education equity for yeah. all